In lieu of the Amazon incident in Brazil, this episode is dedicated to them. family uh it's the last week in august i hope you guys are prepped up for school going back to work well we go to back to work to week every week anyway um i mean yeah summer is pretty much over uh we're still on the brink of this american tour you know um i don't want to list it like i'm emotional this episode i, I mean i wasn't gonna really even do it but the amazon situation that happened in brazil really makes me sad because when you understand how greed works and how about how the elite uses this as an opportunity to basically defile a whole entire resource for infrastructure or things that's going to be built for no benefit to the natives that live there it makes you question it makes you look at the government not just the american government corporations banks and this that and a third like what are they using that money for like how could you send out a whole entire group of people to start a fire in a, a native and indigenous land and these people are just minding their own business living in their habitat and then we have to think about deforestation in other places of the world where you know we're really killing off trees and really getting rid of these animals that's in their natural habitat and they abide by a certain ecosystem that's beneficial for the whole entire world. To understand this Amazon forest fire is so detrimental, 20 to 25% of our oxygen comes from the Amazon rainforest or whatever it is. I have nothing but respect for the indigenous culture because before America, I'm pretty sure, and I mean this, that the indigenous that was here, whether we want to say that we are indigenous or whatever, there was a code. There was a way of life. There wasn't people coming in and taking these resources or, or, or being friends with these people to then lie to them and then take all their resources because resources because it's so valuable. This makes me think about today in society about how we have the hard press issue called gentrification. But I don't want gentrification to be the main topic of this episode. This episode is supposed to be about primarily the infrastructure and urban renewal. Urban urban renew, renewal is synonymous with the G word, but we're here to talk about urban renewal as in the benefits the cons and later this season i'm going to talk about this when i launch my uh episode about new york what are my thoughts about new york city now i'm a native i'm a native new yorker been since i was born uh you know my parents is here 
you know, back in history, you know, my family was one of the, you know, great migrationers that migrated from the South because of all the racial tension that happened in the South. So, um, you know, we we uh, we have to analyze this a little bit deeper because it's like when you look at a lot of what the federal money and what the state and local money is being spent on, what is this exactly being spent off of? You know, like the current climate of of inflation, it's not going to let up. Inflation is only going to get higher from where it is now. And if you think that you can pay, for, you can't pay for stuff now. Imagine 20, 30 years from now, like the value of a dollar and the value of like groceries as it's been then is going to be different now. And uh, it's just so sad that, you know, things like the Amazon is being there's a forest fire in Amazon. But then look at California. Suburbia in California has fires out there in the forest all the time. And, you know, this whole idea of deforestation, it's like there's no benefits to it, you know, not that I see it. There's no reason to kill off trees and to kill off animals and their ecosystem just because of greed. And then they're sitting up there trying to talk about they're going to come out with these big projects to um, benefit. I don't know, even benefit, probably benefit the elite, if you asking me. But it's all these talks about building these buildings or building a new city. And it's like, why are you building that on the Amazon? No. But again, this can go back to what I was saying about even here in America, spelled with three K's. But we're really about to dig deep into this episode. So stay tuned for this. I'll be right back with you guys. Let's get it popping. Well, uh, I kind of want to start off with urban renewal. And before I even really hit home on this topic, because, you know, I don't feel like being all like, (sighs) I feel like being smooth with this episode, baby. I'm trying to chill off this episode. I'm trying to relax with it. So, you know, this is what I'm really thinking about the urban renewal thing. So before we understand this idea of urban renewal, we have to take it back in the days when we were talking about the idea of white flight. We were talking about uh, um, urban decay and all these different things, because when it came to cities and in an industrial period, you know, it was a lot of people looking for work. And then we're also I'm also analyzing because of the Great Depression and then all of the events that happened within American society where a large amount of jobs were needed to fund things like World War Two or, you know, fund these companies that's industrial you know and this gave an opportunity to people who once was on a lower social climate ladder to move up in social mobility and be able to move in a place where you know they could live in the suburbs or they could live in a city and they could afford to rent to live there and stuff like that so you know back in school we were very ignorant we we figured like you know the cost of living when we had the conversation it was like 2007 and 2009 and in high school you know, we used to say, oh, yo, it used to be like $100 for rent. I could live during that period or it used to be 50 cents for rent. Oh, I could live during that time. We didn't have the concept of inflation. And with inflation, the idea of inflation is the cost of living goes up every year, every decade, every 10, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. And it doesn't lower itself down. It only gets higher. So with this idea of urban renewal, 
The point of urban renewal now in 2019 is the idea of convenience by transportation. Specifically, you live in a city like mine in New York. A lot of times you don't need a car. Manhattan is eccentric for this because basically almost every most subway lines in New York City go through Manhattan. Start in Manhattan, come from another borough into Manhattan and all this other stuff. So transportation is pretty convenient here because you don't need a car. You don't need to drive. I mean, you could drive if you want to, but the swipe of a metro car for 275, you're pretty much good. And certain parts in the outskirts, like let's say the outskirts of the Bronx, Westchester, Queens, Long Island, Staten Island, you, well, Staten Island, you need to drive. I heard about that. Unless you live like on the east side of the island, you have the Staten Island Railway and then you have, uh, you have a bus system and then you have express buses. But um, on the outskirts, again, you have railroads, you have, uh, you have car, I mean, you have uh, express buses. And then in the city, you know, we have the, the Lyft, Uber, whatever have you. So transportation nowadays are so eccentric into how you maneuver, how you're going to get to your job, how to create a business, how to do this and how to do that. <sighs> Urban renewal is such a hard issue for me because I know the circumstances. On the bright side, when it comes to urban renewal, we have to think about the social impact. So let's just say you have a working class family. You have a working class in, um, family that makes below the, the income level or whatever it is. I believe it's, what, $30,000 or $40,000? I forgot the number where it's above the working class line or below the poverty line. I, I forgot the number. But anyway, let's just say you're an eccentric family that wants to make it out of poverty, right? They have these jobs that you could take to, you know, better your situation, to make more money, to have more opportunities, to dig yourself out of poverty, to find a house and live the American dream. Now, this is a problem I have with the American dream, because with the American dream in 2019, it's a little bit of a difficult conversation talking about the American dream. When you're talking about the American dream, parents is making a sufficient income uh you know you have the golden retriever a house with a white picket fence and you're living in a town not a city where you're able to commute back and forth and you have this lovely lovely family the father and the mother and uh children they go to a good high school they went to a good middle school you have enough money saved for them to go to college and unfortunately in 2019 i think the american dream is dead and, you know, a lot of more people are flocking to a metropolis. They're flocking to cities. They don't want to really live in the suburbs anymore because there's not really much to do in the suburbs. Except for like when you have usually towns, they have downtown areas. Downtowns is like many cities, whereas in a city, it's the city. You know what I'm saying? So in our equivalents in New York City, downtown for us would be Manhattan. Me living uptown Manhattan, downtown is really downtown for me. And, uh, you know, I still find resources in my neighborhood that I could take up and I could be like, OK, I can go here and, you know, I can get what I want. But, um, you know, let's say places like Queens, Queens State, you know, certain parts of Queens, you got to go to the downtown parts like they have Flushing, Jamaica. 
in which now they're trying to rezone it and call it downtown Jamaica or whatever the hell they, you know, rezoning, uh, horrible. And, um, you know, this idea of urban renewal comes with like such a social impact where I feel like when you're talking about urban renewal, it is within a caste system. I hear about it in Oakland. I hear about it in San Francisco. I hear about it in L.A., I hear about it all over this country. And it's not even just in America. It's in Canada. It's in China. You see what happened in Brazil. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, Japan probably has it. But the, the idea is trying to say that the working class is responsible for digging themselves out of the working class and out of poverty. And the rich was able to get where they wanted to get to by working hard and putting in those hours to get where they wanted. But I don't think that's true. Something in my mind says me, tells me that's not true. You can work as hard as you need to to make as much money as you can and still be stuck in the same spot. And with this idea of urban renewal, it's about the resources. What is the money being spent on? I don't think it's a, a prize that someone who was previously in poverty is able to live in these new condos and these new like lofts or whatever because they was able to fit the bill for the housing lottery and it's all a scam man it's all a damn scam if you ask me because it's like millions of people are trying to get on a list of a housing lottery that only will probably take a percentage and i'm talking about a quarter of that to allow these people to live in these apartments and um, there's not a, a lot of lofts and condominiums being built for the working class. It's us against the 1%. And the 1% wins because they're able to find ways of getting tax write-offs and selling those houses um, and doing all they have to do. And that's the reason why we look at real estate agents funny. And with that being said, you know, Pastor Dowell down the street sold his church and it's destroyed now. Now they're building a condo. But this is the twist to the whole entire segment of jobs, right? With these jobs that's that's being offered, especially if you're a contractor, the idea that I get out of it is you're not getting inside those apartments once you build it. They just need you to do hard labor. And they'll give you they'll throw you money. They'd be like, yo, pay them $15 an hour or pay them $17, $18, $19 an hour. And a lot of our brothers and a lot of other people usually I usually see black and Latino men building these buildings. It's like they paying you shit for eight, nine hours in order to build these buildings at a, a, a time limit so that they can start selling the property and be able to do what they do, you know. And again, of course, you can affiliate this with the, the G word. And a product of that is the inflation gives way to the homeless crisis where a lot of people are not able to afford the rising rents and all this other stuff to live in a city. But then at the same time, schematics turn into it where now you're trying to lure people into the suburbs, but we don't want to live in the suburbs. I mean, I kind of don't want to live in the suburbs. I want to live in a city. And for me, it's because... There's always something to do. There's always a hustle and bustle. Even if I lived in a different state, I would rather live in a city and live in the suburbs. It's just too quiet. You know, I need a little bit of noise, you know. So, you know, this is just something to think about with urban renewal. 
I don't know how to really phrase it enough, but you know, what is the point I'm trying to make is what is that money being spent on? Because regardless of race, I think everybody is suffering from this idea of urban renewal. And when you understand the history and the impacts that happened in a community that wasn't invested into, it's now this idea now, now we wanna invest in your communities, but we gotta kick you out in the process, you know? And that's a little bit unfair because it's just like, how is it that I could work my ass off and my job is unstable and I'm not able to do whatever I have to do, but now I gotta live out on the street so I have to move somewhere else. But this new person that's probably on a trust fund and I'm not saying this is a stereotype, is able to live good because they was on a trust fund and you gave them the ropes so that they could be able to do whatever they have to do, but I have to leave. It's crazy. And with that, you know, because of inflation, a lot of jobs I used to make people get into the middle class is not working anymore. You know, this year that, well, besides the cops, there's been cops that committed suicide and I don't know if that's for the same reason. Uh... But, you know, it's very much in question because it might be because of the pension, it might be because of the pay. I don't know. And it might be because of the pressure of being a police officer. But I hear about cab drivers a lot. And because of the competition with Uber and Lyft, a rideshare program, you have these once people that was making good income off of driving a cab. They're suddenly dropping like flies. And they're committing suicide more often because they can't take the idea of being able to, you know, rent out a medallion. And a medallion, I believe, is one of those like value systems. I forgot family. Forgive me for it. But, you know, they're able they're not able to rent out and take these loans in order to operate these vehicles anymore. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're not able to make money the way that they can. A lot of business owners weren't able to make the money that they can. So they have to get into doing car share programs like Lyft and uh, Uber in order to, you know, make income, make a side income. And especially when you live in a city like New York, you probably need like two or three, four, five, six different side hustles to make money on top of the money that you're making now. So besides New York City, you'll see it in other places around the world about how, you know, people are really suffering just to try to make ends meet. And this goes into the idea of urban renewal, because with the high rise costs of rent in 10, 20 years, who's really going to be able to afford the city? And if you think about the one percent, how is the one percent able to live in all these apartments? You have a lot of vacancies. You do. And, you know, there's probably different world places around the country where there's a lot of vacancies, a lot of ideas when it comes to property. You have people who scam and they look for reasons to buy these houses and then say, oh, well, you got to live. You got to get out of here. And they do all these renovations for the sole purpose of saying you can't live here anymore. And then when you look at some of these apartments, they are literally shoeboxes. Everything is in the living room and then you have a bathroom. There's no one bedroom, but they're charging you like fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred dollars for rent. But in different sides of the country, it's also based upon what the because i think different states have different um how do i say uh it's not income levels y'all help me out here what's it called the the uh what is it minimum wage minimum wage in certain countries i mean certain states is implemented based off of like how the demand is there here in new york city it has to be high because this city is expensive in places like georgia 
and uh in places like georgia or you know los angeles it varies from state to state it varies like uh, missouri might have a low minimum wage and that's because not a lot of people live in in missouri you know what i'm saying chicago might be different from florida florida might might be different from texas so you know this the the cost of living varies from country to country but i find it ironic especially when we're bringing up the g word about how so many people say it's too much time it's, it's so hard to live in a state that i'm i'm in or the city i'm in because there's nothing to do here but if i come to this city i'm able to move here but i'm also affiliated with the g word and i'll be called a gentrified but then certain people be like i can't take living in the city because it's too expensive so then they come from that city and then move to a different city where they're able to afford the rent they're able to make a business they're able to make change because they got out of that pressure so it's a catch-22 on both sides if you understand what i'm saying because it's either this or it's either that it's either you want to get out of a bad situation and a low situation to get to a higher situation where you're making a better opportunity for yourself and you're so sick and tired of a high situation you want to go to a lower situation so you can build yourself up so you know family we got to think on this critically this is something that we really should think about you know, because it's just really crazy to me. And I'm just like, wow, I never really thought about that. And, um, you know, yeah, but, you know, urban renewal, the history of that, you know, I, I think very much in hindsight, because you have all these practices that they've done and it is race related. And I'm going to touch upon that later this season, because we're about three, four episodes left of the American tour in season two where I'm going to, you know, question the values of America. Is America racist? Are their practices racist? Have they done different things in the past to instrumentally prove that they are racist? And I don't even know if instrumentally, but are they racist? And, you know, you had practices of like redlining and all these different things that was instituted. Robert Moses, the master builder of New York, did engage in racist practices specifically towards blacks to make sure that they were not allowed in certain suburbias in New York. So a lot of history there. And, um, you know, I just think it's very ironic because, you know, what the hell, you know? So dig on that. So we're going to get into the 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 infrastructure segment. Stay tuned. So I was already talking about the the social impact and the idea of urban renewal just to give you a fast like uh you know segment on that. I'm not spending too much time on it. I have a big goal uh I'm trying to hit the season with it. So with this whole idea of infrastructure, I think about it all the time. In this city, I mean, no, in this country, we've had so much technological advances where immigrants were relied on to build these technological advances. And there's been so many different things done through history to ensure there was a faster way through trading. When I think about infrastructure, I'm thinking about convenience, right? And with the idea of convenience is being able to get from point A to point B with minimal uh, distractions. So for me, I take the train to work. I usually take a bus and a train. I don't have to, but I 
I think it's convenient that around in my area, I have a majority, I have a, I have more than one bus line. I have one train line by my house, but then I have about four to five different train lines if I walk to different areas around the vicinity of my neighborhood. So with the idea of infrastructure, I think it's the idea of being able to commute and having a free option to commute because let's just say you live in a suburban area. You have a small town. Everybody knows each other. You have a car. What's the nearest highway to your house? You don't have to travel far to get on a highway to get your destination. If you live in a city, you want to know what's the closest bus route that you could take to get to wherever you need to go or the closest train you could take to get to wherever you go. In certain parts of the country, people drive to parking rides, which is parking spaces so that you can get on, i.e. a train, subway slash metro or a railroad. And with the idea of infrastructure, now, this has been boosted for so many different reasons. You know, in the 1800s, we had the first Continental Railroad built by the, I don't want to just say the Chinese, but, you know, because of the immigration of the Chinese and the Asians, they were relied on for the Continental Railroad. Um, You know, you had the Irish that built a couple of uh, Irish people that built a lot of different things towards the late 1800s and the 1900s. A lot of uh, buildings and all these other things. And you already know what I can say about black people. We didn't damn near build everything because we're genius people. Um, so I don't have to mention that, but you already know. A lot of law, uh, a lot of lives have been lost when doing these constructions and this, that, and the third. And so today's period, when we're talking about infrastructure, how much of that money is being used? Because you have certain things that's a state-owned um, a state-owned agency. You have certain things that's owned by the city. You have things that's owned independently. For instance, Amtrak is owned independently. It does receive federal funding, but it's owned independently. Yet, when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to Amtrak, they're having a hard time keeping up with keeping things moving. And this is a railroad company that doesn't own even 40% of track or like 70% of track. They use freight lines to move maneuver passengers from point A to point B. When you think about stuff in a city, here in New York City, the MTA is a state-owned agency. It is not a city-owned agency. They're funded by the state. When I think about certain roads, that's usually federally, um, federally owned. So I think about certain things like streets being paved and, you know, what is it going to take to make sure that the construction goes through fine, where the roads are more smooth, people are able to drive in their cars without potholes and this, that and the third. And again, this can go back to the idea of urban renewal, because especially now when it comes to rezoning and, you know, these grimy people and these real estate and these people out here who find a way to come into these neighborhoods that was not invested into before. Now they look into it and be like, okay, let's pave these streets. Let's make sure that these cars are smooth and this, that, and the third, where in other places of the city, they've been paved, they've been fine. There are barely any potholes, but now you want to come to the community and fix ours up when we asked you for a while now to fix them. And with that being said, I just want to ponder a little bit because this is the thing that I think about all the time. 
I think about all these like lots and these plazas that we see. I think about all these buildings that was once something. Why are they being destroyed for condos? Why are they not being pitched enough for using things like a new school, a financial literacy center? Because we need to learn finance. That's the thing of our country. That's something I'm going to talk about in this podcast season as well. But besides that, talking about the streets, the roads, the highways, um, you know, repainting bridges, you know, fixing, you know, things getting rusty in this city and around the country. How much of that money is being spent? Because I even looked at statistics and it seems as if the state funds these projects more than the government itself does. So there's just a cry out for help that I look at. And I'm just kind of like, well, why are we not putting more money into our infrastructure where around the country and around the no, not even around the country, around the world, they have things like um, like say for instance, China, China has such a beautiful like they build like high speed railroads all the time, all the time. They, ha- they have such an extensive re- uh, extensive record of like railroads. Right. Compare that to the United States. We have the Acela Express. That's basically it. And then we have things that's like that, but it's not all the way. In Europe, you have an extensive tram system, a streetcar, this, that, and the third. America is trying to do the same thing, and they're trying to go to different cities around the world where cities around the country where they're starting to implement more transit options and this, that, and the third. To get back to New York City, they have the idea of creating a streetcar in Brooklyn. Hipsterville, if you really want to be precise, which is the borough of Brooklyn, neighborhoods Greenpoint and Williamsburg. My idea of it, because more white people live over there, to have this whole thing go from Astoria all the way to Sunset Park. But you have you have certain parts in the city where you don't have such a large transportation option. You just have a bus to bus system to a train. Certain parts of Queens, certain parts of the Bronx, uh, Staten Island, for one. You know, you have you have to have a car out there. So with that, you also think about that. You have bridges that's being built in, say, like, I don't know, France, where they're able to have all these like technological or building advances where they like they have all these tall towers and they all all have these different things. Right. In China, they have these high rises that's like. 100 stories and this, that, and a third. And it's crazy because it's like, wow, they have all these buildings. And then I think about the impact of when you build buildings or you build roads or you do this, that, and a third. What is the the, the ecosystem impact? Because if I was in a chair, if I was an elite, if I wanted to make the world right, I'm going to make sure like if I build highways that there's going to be green spaces for animals to get cro- to cross over and not be threatened with the idea that they might get hit by a car and killed. You know, I want animals to survive. It's already hard enough when you have a technique like deforestation in a place like Brazil and in places like around the country where they're doing this purposely to build nonsense, to build these new cities and this, that and the third. But then we have to come into the idea why do you need to build new cities? A lot of people say it's overpopulation and this, that, and the third, but there's vacancies in these cities. So how could you tell me that you need to build a new city? 
It's about greed and it's about money. But in America, I have a hard time understanding the way that they move because why is it that you could spend money on these like buildings and stuff like that, but you have potholes in these streets? You have cobble roads that could mess up vehicles, wheels, and mess up the whole thing with cars and all this other stuff. And, you know, Americans should get their money worth for living in America. You know, you're already paying car insurance. And you mean to tell me because there was some easy bump in the road, my whole car is messed up now and all these things, different things happen. And it's very possible that could happen. So I asked all these questions about infrastructure and I, I looked at some of the statistics on it. I just took a browse at it, um, you know, to make sure things happen. And then you have to take into account you know, real quick, like areas where it's flood prone. What are you doing to make sure that that Pacific area is protected in case we have another Hurricane Sandy, you know, uh, or have another hurricane in different states, earthquakes and all this other stuff? What are you doing to make sure by infrastructure needs that people are protected? And what it seems as if I looked at the statistics, this is from a website called FB.org. And, um, this is the statistics from 2017, just to give you a rough estimate. It seems as if there's more state and local funding for infrastructure than it is federal funding. But the biggest one that they spend a lot of money on is highways, where it's an even percentage of 38% that comes from state and local and 47% when it comes from federal. So and it's even on mass transit and rail which is 17% and 17%. So I find it a little bit odd. It's kind of like, well, what is the reason for that? Why is it that more state and locals um, agencies fund it more than federal? And then I think about something else, which I think probably is a conspiracy theory. I feel like America itself spends more money on the military than they spend on anything else in this damn country. <laughs> I, I, I just honestly think so. I mean, I see I've seen videos of like mass tanks and, you know, trucks, the, the you know, the, you know what I mean? Those barrack trucks or whatever you call them. And they spend so much money on the military because they keep trying to acquire land from across the world. And then, you know, how obviously it's a big competition, uh, especially when it comes to economical forces between the United States and China and about how China is basically gentrifying the freak out of Africa right now. United States been had their hand in it. But then it's just like, okay, if we keep up with these schematics, what is going to be war? You know what I'm saying? Like what I mean by that is what is going to be the purpose of war? Because let's just say China gets more landmass than you and they get all these resources, what are you going to end up with? And if you understand how America works, we're in a trillion dollars. Sorry, I don't like to say we cuz I don't like to consider myself an American. Um America is in a trillion dollar deficit right now. And it's more than that. I think it was like 14. Now it's 17. So why do we keep borrowing money? Why? Why do I keep saying we? Why does America keep borrowing money? What do they keep borrowing it for? And they borrow it from different countries. So when we're spending this back on urban renewal, and if it's this whole thing about being in a trillion dollar deficit, why aren't you spending more time? You know, uh, making sure that essentials like making sure housing is at a fair rate so that everybody can live in it. 
that you can prevent having more homeless people on the streets and having ways where we should have a part of that American pie where everybody has the opportunity to move up in society. And I know there's a lot of people out there that says, but you do, though, but you do, though. Certain people don't because there are certain resources that's not available in certain communities, especially communities of color. And what are you doing to ensure that there are more reliable transportation options and being sure that these highways are up to date and that they're able to have more exits and more places where they can let people off, where they can be able to travel to their houses without having to take 30 minutes to get onto a highway, 20 minutes and all this other stuff. It's very possible that happens. So, you know, with this whole idea, especially when we're talking about this idea of the 2020 election, having Mr. 45 as president right now and having all these Democratic candidates and he's Republican. I'm not too sure who's the Republican candidate right now. It's just this idea of saying, get Trump out of office. And with that, that doesn't that doesn't help me. That doesn't help me. What policies are you implementing to make sure that each American citizen is able to maneuver in a way where they are comfortable living in a society? And of course, it's not going to be a utopia where everybody's great. There's going to be people, there's going to be people who's going to fall be behind by the wayside. And there's going to be people who's able to move up and make something of themselves out of the situation they was in. But when we're talking about this, especially because there's the fleeting middle class, what are we doing in terms of the infrastructure infrastructure, and in terms of the urban renewal, quote unquote, where people are able to have what they need at their, dis, at, um, at their disposal and not have to feel like either I'm being put out or either I have to live in a metropolis to get everything that I need, especially if I go to work in the city, especially if I have a job in the city. These are long-winded questions. And when you look at different societies around the world, I mean, it took China like two to four days to fix a manhole, to fix, a, not a manhole, I'm sorry, to fix, I forgot what it's called, but like, it was like a hole in the ground, basically, if you understand what I'm talking about. It took them like two to four days to fix the, the hole. In America, it takes them like weeks, months, and all these different things. And I'm just like, how is it that when it comes to other countries around the world, they're able to fix easy things like potholes within a second, but it's taking y'all like a whole week to fix something or three, four weeks or this, that, and a third. And it's a construction that happens too long. And sometimes when it comes to funding, Y'all end up not even sponsoring it and not even taking it because it's too much money or there's no way you can get funding. You know, that those are questions I like to ask. So, you know, I don't know. I'm blanked out. I don't really have much more to say. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, urban renewal and infrastructure, that is something that is very essential to this country, especially if we was we sorry, if America was the first country or not the first country one of the countries in a latter day period where there was so many technological advances they were ahead of other countries to now where uh they're not you know so with that being said i just want to keep it light i just want to keep it simple uh we're going to continue on with this american tour until then peace and hair grease